Hey, welcome to the Technic Podcast. I'm John Martin, and I'm Dean Reverman. So, Dean, um, do you or are you a fan of like waiting in line? I love to wait in do line. Do you fight no, crowds? Absolutely. You not. like hanging out in big crowds of people, and <laughs> no one knows where just they're twiddling going, thumbs, just mustering around, doing the prayer, looking down at your phone yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. no, it's you, really, really annoying. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that anybody that is a no. fan of that. I, no, I mean, I mean, in our instant, gotta have everything now kind right. of society, it's like wait times are not acceptable. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. No, like no. I think of like you know when I've gone to the Disney World, for, although Disney World at least you know they make an effort to control their lines to okay. some extent. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, quite yeah, as yeah. insane yeah. as it could. But think about like sporting events. Yeah. You know, when, like, and some gotta, places intentionally do it with like, you know, like retail establishments true. and they got a little stanch and they want to make it look so cool that there's right, a wait right. to get in here. Nobody wants to wait. No. No. Nobody <laughs> wants to wait. Nobody wants lines. Nobody wants crowds. <laughs> Concerts can be crazy and right? busy. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, hey, the why reason why I'm bringing ask, this up, well, yeah. we've got, yeah. because we're going to be talking about a solution for those kind of oh. woes today. Because crowd management has become a pretty uh, pretty popular topic, yes. You know, amongst events and venues yes. and retail, all these yeah. places. Like, how yeah, do we how point. do how do we manage those crowds? How do mm-hmm. we manage those lines? How do we make sure that people are in the right places where they should be, or that, or more importantly, maybe are where people are where they do congregate? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that mm-hmm. that's a place where we can sell them something or ah, get some advertising right? in front of them? There you go. Kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 good stuff. So there's opportunities around that for our vars. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Zach for Klima sure. today yep. from. Uh, from wait time about mm-hmm. that opportunity, about how that kind of technology works, what it entails. We're going to get into you know what's happened over the last few years because I don't know if you know if you heard there was some virus thing that went around. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and that yeah. made people a little skittish about little skittish. being in crowds yeah. and right, right, lines right. Yeah. and being grouped together. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about how crowd intelligence works, uh-huh. uh, what industries benefit from it, the hardware requirements. Obviously, that's what our VARs could be interested yep. in. That was like, hey, yep. you know, where where do I get a piece of the pie here? What can I sell involved yeah. with it? So you know what I love about this one too, by the way, yeah. our resellers. This one's easy to implement. This is it, like it one really of those no brainer tech stack. You should be considering. Considering this and talking, there you go. So that's, yeah, I think a that's a, that should be a tagline. I think for maybe like Wait Times website, you know, it's a no brainer. <laughs> it's a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that plus our usual value to the var and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned today, our guest is Zach Klima. He is the founder and CEO of Wait Time. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to found this company. I'm always fascinated by mm-hmm. like new startups and, yeah. and, you and get software there? companies is, because I always feel like there's a good story. In fact, I know with this one, Zach, does, it does have a good story about uh, okay. there. So let's tell Let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so my name is Zach. I'm the founder of Wait Time. And the, the story is uh, is actually pretty cool, to your point. So uh, I live in Detroit. I'm just outside Detroit, and I'm a massive Red Wings fan. Um, as masochistic as it may be sometimes, Detroit Lions, Detroit Red Wings, uh, Detroit Tigers, more importantly, uh, massive Detroit fan. And so I was just after grad school. I actually have a master's degree in architecture, uh, building architecture, like Frank Lloyd Wright type architecture. And so I was at um, – I spent, I went to this uh, Red Wings game with all, all my, my guy friends and we spent all of our money to buy these playoff tickets. And it was my turn to buy beers for the guys, right? And so it was just after the third period, it's overtime. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna quickly run and go get beers for us. 
So I go up to, uh, you know, the line, which is a long line, and I'm sitting there and, you know, you're, you're kind of slowly progressing towards the front. As you talked about, you know, the phone Bible, you're kind of looking down and, you know, you know whatever I can do to pass time. Next thing I know, I get up to the front and it was maybe 20 minutes in line, 25 minutes. I get the beers, I'm holding them, like I'm pushing them all together like this because there's like, there's like, you know, four of them or whatever. And the, the, the infamous horn goes off, goal. And I'm sitting there like, you know, what, what, the, what the heck, this is ridiculous. If I only knew how long the line was before I left my seat, this would be a way better experience because I probably wouldn't have left my seat or I would have known where a shorter line was. So I would have gone to that line and then got back to my seat to see my favorite player, uh, Pavel Datsuk hit, you know, a top shelf goal in overtime to win the game. So, I, so that a terrible experience that I can guarantee every single person in the world has a very similar experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, maybe not the game winning goal, but like, you know, <laughs> uh, there's nothing worse than standing in the line. You hear the crowd just go nuts right, and you're right. like, ah, and you maybe know. there's a tiny little TV up in the corner. Yeah, but it's at. delayed. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's delayed. The crowd, yeah. Like, yeah. And you get back. Yeah. I was like, man, you missed Bull. it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to wait till Sports Center to see this thing, you know, later on. And and so I thought to myself, I was like, okay, how I want to know how long lines are. I mean, as simple as that. I want to know how long lines are. So I became obsessed with uh, there, there's a there's a book out there called The Queuing Theory. And all this crazy stuff about the psychological effects of waiting, and I became obsessed with this this theory and and these you know, these topics of, of lines and cues and all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of um, psychology that goes behind actually waiting. And so I you know became obsessed with this idea. And about five and a half six months later, I had a chance to pitch my idea to a guy in Detroit who's revamping the city, gentrifying the city. His name is Dan Gilbert. He's a, a billionaire that owns the Cavaliers, Quicken Loans, et cetera. And so um, I had a chance to pitch him on the idea for about 42 seconds. And he, he, liked, the, he liked the idea so much that um, he actually put me in his business, his business accelerator in Detroit called Bizzle. And they give you $25,000 for 7% of your company, no negotiation. And they accept five applicants out of like 5,000. And so... He put me right in the program, but he said, here's the caveat. You know, you have to, you can't be an, uh, a entrepreneur. You have to be an entrepreneur. You have to quit your job and you have to jump into this thing full time. And I'm 24, 25 at the time. And I'm like, done. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm jumping in, you know, because th at the time of my life where, you know, 24, 25, you know, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. It was a good time to take a huge risk. So that's really the inception story about how wait time started about eight years. Yeah, Very cool. love the incubation story. There you go. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. I also love the uh, the idea of like the forty odd second pitch or whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a lesson to entrepreneurs out there in the future. Yeah. Is like you know yeah. make sure make your pitch as concise and simple oh, yeah. and easy as possible because well that's an you elevator may get the ride. time, but yeah, but you're not going to get a lot of it. So. No, it's an elevator ride. Right, exactly. that's forty two seconds. That's all you exactly. got. Go. <laughs> All right, well, hey, let's get into this conversation then because, you know, obviously if, to get from that point of, hey, we know there's a line problem, we know there's a mm -hmm. crowd problem, we know right. there's issues right. here, and I guarantee you that our bars know people that have those kind of issues and are trying to figure out, well, oh, hey, for sure. what does that mean then to manage this That's why this, this is crowd? such a good it, fit. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. What technology yeah. can get us there? So so obviously we, we talked about up front, people aren't 
fond of crowds. Most of us probably aren't. Uh, and obviously, again, the pandemic kind of mm, put a spotlight mm-hmm. on this where everyone kind of, you know, really emphasized the idea of, hey, I don't want to be in large groups. I don't want to be in crowds. I don't want mm-hmm. to be stuck around people for lengthy amounts of time. So because of all of that, you know, how has those last few years changed the dynamic for you, the conversations you're having and the way you guys are going to market right now? Yeah, it's a great question. So before the pandemic, you know, we were uh, I just want to make it very clear that we, we have been doing crowd management you know, a half a decade before the pandemic. So we were not, you know, an opportunistic company that said, oh, now we do crowd management post pandemic, right? So um, we had, you know, we were, if you think about entrepreneurship, we were hit in the face 40 times a day, you know, saying that, hey, you know, wait time is a really sexy technology, but it's more of a, a nice to have, not a need to have because the, this is an experience play. We want, you know, we started off in sports and entertainment, so arenas and stadiums, going back to the original idea, now this is more of a, uh, you know, a nice to have. So once it the pandemic hit, and I said, you know, before the pandemic, it was all about, no, this is, this is not, this is bigger than just giving wait times to people, to fans. This is about diagnosing crowd flow issues, operational issues. It's a way bigger system than the, the peripheral Hey, I'm going to know where the wait times are as a fan. So as time went on and the pandemic hit, it, you know, everything shut down, obviously. And so what that did was that really transformed not just the way that, you know, decision makers think about wait time going from a nice to have to a need to have. But it, it was it allowed us to change the way we told the story. It told we, we changed the way we told the story. It was the same product, the same system, the same benefits and the outcomes but we told the story in a more operational lens. So to say, okay, you know, this is not just about fans knowing the you know, wait times and how, what a great experience that would be for guests. We flipped the model on its end to say, you need to know where people are in your building. You need to know occupancy metrics, density metrics, crowd flow metrics, because that allows you to have a safer reopening and to stay open because you can provide to the authorities that are auditing you on, hey, are you staying open safely from the pandemic by knowing crowd control metrics and data and crowd management metrics and data, we allow them to have that data. So they're allowed to stay open, remain open, and you know be responsible to the guests that are allowed in their building. So in summary, it, it allowed us to change the way we told the story from more, less of a guest experience play while still having that in the background, but more of an operational play to say, okay, this is your operational intelligence building system that allows you to keep a pulse on your crowds in real time. So it's more of a storytelling change than a product change. Yeah. And I like where you went with that because it is a business intelligence that, you know, that your system is providing back in real time, mm-hmm. you know, to these retailers or venues and things of that nature. And that that's a critical part. I mean, we've talked about it, you know, the need for resellers and solution integrators to start getting into a data play, right? Or start right. understanding how tools like this can be utilized from a business intelligence or operational intelligence type of a, a view 
because these are the critical things that are going to make these places better, faster, smarter. I mean, retail, I just got back from NRF. I can tell you that AI is still very much alive (laughs) in looking at, you know, what is going on in these spaces? Where are people moving? How are they moving? Those types of things. And when you start connecting the dots to the data and how it can affect maybe signage or digital signage, you know, the, the, you know, I know, I, you know, I come out of that world. So the, always the nirvana was getting this real time information. And just imagine being able to redirect people to more evenly distribute. You know, right. I think uh, wait time, you go to their website, they've got a couple of wonderful blogs on there that kind of talk about, you know, uh, setting it up and, and some of the issues that are around there. But uh, and and Zach, I'm going to pull one of those quotes. It says here, you often get asked, what are the norms are? Well, the, the norm is uneven distribution, right, of resources or, or places that you know, maybe they have enough restrooms, but everybody's congregating right, here type of right. a thing, right? Uh, type of a thing. So, yeah. But the business intelligence and all, it, it, it's a play that the resellers have to get into. And this is why this is so genius to get into it in, in a very pointed but easy way. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. Yeah. You know, I also like the lesson there again. I think another great lesson Zach put out there to, to any VAR or anybody in any business, which is that idea of, you know, not necessarily not giving up on a a new idea or a new concept that people mm. aren't necessarily ready for. Right. The whole, you know, nice to have versus yeah. need, to, need have. to have. Yeah. It's okay if you are out there pitching and talking about solutions that are for now nice to have. Mm-hmm. Because to Zach's point, you never know when one day they're gonna become a need to have. Yeah. You might see the writing on the wall like this right. is gonna become a need to have at yeah. some point. But I'm gonna get on board with this sooner than later, start having conversations about it, start talking about it so that when it becomes the need to have Folks, remember, hey, that guy over there at that at that VAR, they've been they've been talking about this for years now. I'm mm-hmm. gonna check in with them about this now that I actually need it. So yeah. I guess hey, that's a heck of a good lesson there. Zach, do you have a use case? Maybe here's my first curveball. Where you where you <laughs> kind of quantify that? Because I think flipping the squi- the the script is is critical because I can totally see when you were out there selling this initially, oh, it's a customer experience play. And oh yeah, right. oh, that's nice. Yeah, we're focused on customer experience. But to turn the the script and say, no, 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 no. Let's quantify this, right? By the by the intent intelligence that's coming out of the system, you know, whatever. You, you're seeing increases on these day parts that you maybe probably didn't really realize. Uh, and so you're, you're misallocating resources or things of that nature, right? It sounds like that's kind of the granularity you started getting into to paint the picture that this is way more important than just the soft customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we start off in sports, media, entertainment, all around monitoring queues and lines. So concession lines, restroom lines, retail lines. And then, you know, um, you know, giving that information to operators in real time on a real time dashboard. So, for example, it, you can set these customized thresholds. So you're able to set if it hits a certain number of people in line, a certain density, occupancy or wait time and in certain specific areas across your venue, automatically trigger an alert to operations. So before it was operations were being reactive, they would have you know, walkie talkies to say, hey, we have a problem here. We have a problem there. They're kind of kind of extinguishing fires in real time, being reactive. Now, the way that I'm describing this is if you if a problem arises at 50, set your alert to be at 30 so you can get ahead of those problems and be proactively notified before a growing problem becomes an actual problem. So knowing that information being alerted proactively when it comes to, hey, you have a growing problem in area X, Y, or Z, allows them to receive this data in real time to then open up more point of sale systems in real time to deploy 
um, portable beer and concession hawkers to the back of long lines, which I think is genius because if they know where growing crowds are, these portable beer and concession hawkers can magically show up in the back of long lines to flip attrition into sales. Because people, if there's a long line and they're waiting too long, people will naturally fall out of that line, which is lost revenue. That's a that's a, de- a decrease in per cap. So that's just one example, but also in the retail space. So one of our clients is Mall of America, biggest mall in North America. And they had a problem where they said, we need to know in our 6 million square foot mall, we need to know how many people are in our mall at any point in time with a 95% accuracy or higher uh, mark. So what we did is we mounted our cameras directly so it's perpendicular to the ground and we monitored all of the entryways to the mall. There's about 34 of them. And we have an algorithm that monitors how many people are entering and exiting simultaneously at each of the entryways across the mall in just massive groups of people. So high accuracy, massive groups of people. They now are able to know with a 97.2% accuracy, how many people in real time are in their 6 million square foot mall coming in from which specific entrances. And so why is that important? That's important for a couple of reasons. The number one reason is they actually use that information coming of, you know, people coming, you know, coming and going of different geographical entrances to negotiate leasing agreements with their tenants that are located geographically in those parts of the mall. They can guarantee, now guarantee them that foot traffic and then they can actually charge them more. A bit of a premium on those spots. Yep, That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So those are just a couple examples of how um, data forward they're using the data to increase their bottom line, you know, in all different types of creative ways across multiple industries. And I like where you're going on the operations side, because a lot of our resellers are obviously very savvy to the mobile device and the unified communication that is happening, certainly in the retail space, right? right? Enabling associates. So, you know, pinging that thing with an alert on, you know, where crowds are gathering or something like that to enable them to try to evenly distribute, you know, where people are congregating to other cash registers or to, to Zach's point, opening other ones. So I had a use case. I was just at NRF. And they have a coat check, right? And, and believe it or not, it's a really popular place. You know, everybody's <laughs> coming in with their coats and they want to shed them. Right. And there were two or three, you walk in, it's like, you can see the coat check line, like a hundred uh. people deep. And it's like, oh my God, this is miserable. Low, but they didn't know. Is it literally a one floor down, more coat check, yeah. nobody was yep. there. So, yep. uh, you know, imagine a world where you could ping operations, just having somebody out there with a tablet saying, hey, folks, you know, if you do want to do a coat check downstairs, right. kind of a thing. Yep. So uh, that's, I think that that's kind of connecting that dot. Uh, from an operation standpoint, that's why I think a lot of our resellers will totally get this, yeah, you know, and yeah. their ability to to help the organization, the venue, the retailer uh, redistribute, um, you know, resources like yeah, that. Yeah, so, I yeah. agree. Anyway. Uh, so, Zach, then, you know, we've talked a lot about this, you know, the, the data side of it and the intelligence and the, you know, the, the business intelligence, the crowd mm-hmm. intelligence, obviously, here. Can you help us understand a little bit more about the, how that works? Like, you know, what what is being delivered to these operations folks? What are they looking at? And I will say also, you know, uh, some of this helps when you can kind of get the 
visual aspect of it. And one, mm. I would definitely recommend checking out the Wait Times website to see yeah. it. But also, we just did a webinar with Zach yesterday uh, showing off some of this. And he did a nice, quick, concise overview of, of what the, the platform does, what mm-hmm. it looks like. I'll drop that link in the show notes. Highly recommend checking that out if you want to get a, a, a nice, clear view of what this looks like. But help us kind of understand a little bit, like, what are what's someone looking at? If I was someone in that operation side and I'm looking at, you know, a dashboard or a platform of, of what am I what am I getting out of it and what am I looking at to decide what to do? Yeah, so I'll back up to um, and and yeah, please check out the link because the visuals are very key to see how the artificial intelligence works. But what we do, um, and then I'll get into the, the business side. What we do is we mount anywhere where there's a crowd of people. So if you think of concession lines, restroom lines, retail lines, um, entrances to buildings, what we do is we mount cameras over those areas. So perpendicular to the ground, so directly overhead, any camera in the world. So we're completely hardware agnostic, which is a really key emphasis of our system is the fact that we are agnostic, we don't have proprietary hardware. So with that being said, what the cameras are doing is they're taking screenshots 24 times per second. Now those screenshots are going back to compute servers that are hosted on site and whether it be you know Cisco or Dell or HP Supermicro, again, compute agnostic as well. And what the technology is doing is we're taking the RTSP feed from the camera and our artificial intelligence is monitoring um, the movement analysis of each person's body anonymously. No biometric data, no object recognition. We look at the speed of direction of each person and the direction of movement of each person at that frame rate so we can very accurately determine you know is someone you know just kind of passing through the area are they congregated are they actually in line progressing towards the point of sale or with the occupancy algorithm uh you know are they entering and exiting are they just kind of you know meandering are they looky lose are they actually entering and exiting the space so the accuracy of our system is really unparalleled which is why i'm sitting here talking to you guys because the accuracy is so high. So on the back end, artificial intelligence at a Reader's Digest level, that's how the technology works. But wait time is broken down to your question. Wait time is broken down into two buckets. The first is operations and data. Uh, and this, again, the second is guest experience. Now the operations and data, we have a real-time dashboard. It's a web-based dashboard that can be populated on any you know, iPad, tablet, or in a control room. And they're actually able, anywhere we're, we're monitoring, they're able to click on a heat map and they're able to pull up every single video to see exactly what the camera is seeing and what the technology is reading in real time. So why is this green? Why is this yellow? Why is this red? In a heat map fashion, let's pull up the video to see exactly what's happening. So they can start to see the crowd flow, the AI over the crowd to see exactly why it's reading this way. So operations then is able to get real-time alerts based off of crowding, density, occupancy, wait times, et cetera. So they have a real-time view. We kind of coined this phrase that we turn operations from a buckshot into a rifle shot because our artificial intelligence is disseminating what's happening. What they once assumed, we now make scientific from an operational standpoint. Now, we also, the, this part of that bucket is data. So at the end of every single day, we give these operations historical data on the performance analysis of everywhere where we're monitoring, whether it be a, um, a concession line, a restroom line, a retail line, or an entrance, et cetera. So they're able to see the graphing 
throughout the entire day of what exactly happened from a scientific standpoint, not what they assume happened, but what actually happened. We give them this historical razor sharp data that they use and they can intersect with any other data platform they have in place. So our system is completely open. Our API is open. They can take this in and slice and dice this a thousand ways a Sunday. So that's on the data and operations side, but also uh, in, in closing about, you know, to your question is the guest experience side. So going back to my original idea of why this company was started, we actually give this information to people on digital screens like the one behind you. So when you walk out of, uh, if you hit a fork in the road in a large venue, do I make a right? Do I make a left? Where can I find the shortest line? We actually give that line uh, length information on digital assets. So from a digital wayfinding billboard standpoint, okay, I'm making a right. This line is way shorter than if I make a left. So you talk about that distribution of people. You, you might have all these bathrooms in the world, but everyone's crowding at one of them. If you could just go around the corner, one's wide open. That's a perfect example of why the fan or the patron needs to be a part of the solution because too many times people might just have an operational solution that doesn't talk to the guest experience side. You have to, they can't work in silos. They have to work together in that Venn diagram standpoint. And then we also, to finish up on that, not only on the digital screens, do we show the guests where they can find the shortest line, but also on that venue's mobile experience. So in the palm of your hand, even before you leave your house, you can see where the shortest lines are. So when you come up to an arena or if you go to a mall or a convention center, you know exactly where you're going to go before you even show up because all this information that the guest sees is in real time. So in summary, data and operations and guest experience working in harmony with each other. You know, my wife's that person that when we're like heading to a Reds game, mm -hmm. as soon as we get there, she has to find a bathroom. Yeah. Right. It'd be nice to be able to tell her like, okay, well, the bathroom on level C, you know, down by the yeah. 420. No wait where time. We're gonna be sitting. Yeah, no wait time there. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is always an issue with women's bathrooms for well, whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I can just coast into any man's room and, you know, <laughs> and be done. Sorry, ladies. I don't, I, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, One yeah. more example of where we just get it easier, unfortunately. That's right. So. That's right. Right. But it's genius, right? It is. I mean, yeah. and this is the kind of stuff that, that again, well, going back to the customer experience, it, it, it's important. And, you know, I was reading a fascinating article where actually the cost of tickets to major events are going down. Right. And part of the reason why that is is because folks are waiting to the last minute to decide if they're going to buy a ticket on SeatGeek or whatever right, right. to actually go to the game. So, like, if you're at a football game, right, you're making that decision. You don't have a ticket. You're tailgating, whatever. Whatever. There's the fan experience, right. but you know you're looking at well, the tickets are still a hundred and whatever dollars. Oh, now they're down to fifty. All right, I'll go fifty dollars. Right. And so, what does right. that do? It creates this crush right before the game starts. But yep. anyway, yeah. Well, you, you know, to, to your point there, though, you know, as someone who runs a venue, like especially like a sporting venue, for mm. instance, right? Sure, you've got your ticket prices, but a lot of that is just going to the overall cost of the running the team, right? You know, a lot of these these venues and a lot of the people that run these, you know, or events or conference centers, whatever it is, they're going to tell you, hey, we're making most of our money off of concessions mm -hmm. or off of our shops, you mm -hmm. know, or the the little stuff that people buy and do while they're there. And obviously, yeah, you know, right. you if you got a, you know, say in sports, if you got a good team that right. keeps keep people engaged and keeps them around. They're buying the $10 beers. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're buying more of the stuff. But I think this would be a great story to tell them also to say, hey, look, if we can, you know, use this intelligence to ensure mm -hmm. that less people are 
are leaving lines that mm-hmm. they're not they're not walking away because a line's too long or that you know exactly where you need to have those you know whether it's the vendors out walking around or have a spot open where normally you don't otherwise right i think that's the kind of stuff also like bottom line that's going to lead to more sales of beer more sales of food more sure, sales of sure. you know gear yeah. whatever it right. is yep. that's a powerful story to tell too because right. that could that overall could help them generate more revenue maybe keep their ticket prices yeah, down exactly. and say, hey we yeah. don't have to charge you as much for right. a ticket because people are buying more once yeah, they're actually right. here so yeah, yeah. Good point. i think it's the kind of good stuff that you can tell someone to help pitch them on this kind yeah. of thing so yeah uh, well, well, Zach, let's talk about the. You mentioned the hardware. You've kind of talked about obviously the the cameras, servers. Mm-hmm. You even referenced the fact that you know the um, the ecosystem for anybody on the operation side it can mm-hmm. be a mobile device, tablets. You know, is there anything else hardware related we should talk about here for our bars? And more importantly, also, how does this kind of fit in with what they're already doing? If if they're out there working with you know, uh, and again, an event, sporting, you know, sports teams, um, large retailers, maybe they're selling point of sale already. Uh, digital signage, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, right. How does this kind of fit in with their day to day that they're already working at working with those particular uh, customers? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer your question in reverse. So the way that wait time sells, you know, if we, you know, when we work with you know large companies like like Cisco or Lenovo or Dell, etc., you know, it's really about a solution sell. So no one cares about a blinky blue box. A decision maker is not going to say well, I really like this blinky blue box. That's why I'm buying it, right? Um, because, it, you know, of all these, the text and the specs of all this, they don't do that. They buy solutions. What can this blinky blue box do for me? How does this make me more money or save me more money or fulfill a business need that we have a void with right now? So the way that wait time sells is a solution. We, set, we tell a really good story about um, occupancy metrics, crowd management, monitoring your crowds, uh, analyzing your crowds and and redistributing your crowds. We tell a really good story around that. And what happens to enable that is very simple, cameras and servers. And so now as we move forward in the industry, as we start to really actually scale across the world is, okay, Cisco, Dell, Lenovo, HP, Supermicro, you sell servers, great. That's the brain of wait time. Um, let's create a story so we can we can be camouflaged within your compute sales motion or your camera sales motion. Because again, same with cameras, the two parts that make up wait time are cameras and servers. Um, we talked a little bit about the compute side, the, ser- the, the camera side, no one's gonna buy a camera because it looks cool or you know, it has a little bit more performance or whatever it may be. What can that camera do for me? What outcomes can that camera provide for me? That camera is not just an eye in the sky. It has to have a brain behind the eyes, which is what wait time is. So the story that we tell with a server sale and the story that we tell with the camera sale is all solutions oriented. So, and what just so happens to enable wait time is cameras and servers. So we kind of flip the sales model to say, Let's start out with a good story and the solution cell motion. And then what enables this is actually the last part of the conversation. So it's really, you know, cameras and servers. If you are selling cameras, if you have a big surveillance practice, we fit in hand in glove with surveillance practices and surveillance sales motions. Because if you're selling cameras, wait time can enable more sales of cameras because we are adding intelligence and brains behind what that camera 
uh, does regarding an outcome to a client. Same with the server. The server, the, you know, the cameras are eyes, the servers are the brains, right? Wait time sits on, wait time software sits on the server. So that enables more hardware pull through. We've, we've been frequently compared to a Trojan horse or a silver bullet, because if you land with wait time, it all only it, what it does is you land and expand because, you know, all once they get started to get the intelligence that, that wait time provides the clients, they'll start to add on more cameras and more cameras and more cameras, which equals more compute, more compute, more compute. So it becomes this nice pull through motion when we start off with a solution cell motion. So what a reader's not, you know, a little bit of a vague answer, but that's the way that we think about it uh, methodically and, um, you know, as we move forward. Oh, for sure. And I, I think our customer base understands that, or hopefully they are at this point in time, getting into that solution sale type of... Like we don't talk about it enough. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. this is one of those areas where a consultative sales is 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 part of the process, right? Yeah. I mean, they're already really well integrated into mission critical parts of the business, the point of sale system, things of that nature. I mean, those are mission critical. So, you know, if, if they're not talking this type of solution, somebody else is going to walk in the door and, and right, offer that right. solution along the way. So, you know, it's critical. And that's why I thought, I think that this, this is so genius. And, and a lot of our resellers should just be able to add this right onto their tech stack yep. uh, and move forward. Hey, Zach, can you use existing cameras or is this all net new cameras? That was a question I had for you. Can you use existing gear? We can. Yeah, we can use existing, any camera in the world um, we can use, which again is really emphasizing that agnostic uh, fact about wait time. Um, but the caveat is the cameras have to be looking at the right things, right? You know, the views have to be specific to our algorithms. So it's worked really in both ways. We had clients that say, hey, cameras are inexpensive. We'll just buy net new cameras and make this our, its own system. Or we have, we have venues that say, we have a ton of cameras. And a lot of these cameras are not looking at sensical areas. We'll actually move them. Right. And, and or repoint them, them or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really a hybrid approach. It can be both. Uh, but yeah, it's a either or. Okay, cool. Yep. That's helpful. Yeah, I agree. Well then let's, uh, all right, let's, let's cast our mind a little bit into the future here, because again, you've already proven that you guys can come up with an idea that is, goes from a nice to have to a need to have. Mm -hmm. So let's think ahead again, you know, where, where do you see this technology going next? What's, you know, what, what do you think is going to change over the next decade or so where maybe what we're talking about with crowd intelligence or maybe the underlying technology behind what you're doing here, where, where can it go next? Yeah, so the way that we think about that, um, you know, along, well, back up along the way, a lot of people say, hey, well, you guys are tracking people anonymously, of course, it's all it's a very detailed patented pixel tracking AI. And we just happen to, to calibrate the, the, you know, the pixel track to be the size of a person. Now we get a lot of things, hey, can you track cars? Can you track different types of assets on, um, you know, uh, assembly lines, you know, like different, you know, bottling, you know, different things like that where along the way we had to say focus. So we said, no, we're going to stick with people and then, and then, you know, kind of go from there. So the way that we view your question now is not necessarily where the technology, you know, where, what else can you add to the technology, but what other industries can we add our technology to? So, you know, from uh, sports, media, entertainment to convention centers, shopping malls, uh, which is where, you know, we're in now also theme parks, uh, you talked about Disney earlier, um, you know, from theme parks to airports, train stations. It's really starting now that we're proven in a lot of these different industries and being in sports was really good because 
crowds are so volatile and that, you know, designing and training the algorithms around volatile crowds was probably the most important thing we could have done because everything that's not sports is easier to do because it's more of a controlled movement. And so, because sports is anarchy, it's like a, it's like an ant farm, right? Especially when you throw a bunch of beers into the mix. Every man for themselves, (laughs) right? Exactly, exactly. And so now it's about, okay, going in, we're parlaying what we've learned in sports and now proving it in other industries. So it's really about, you know, not necessarily what else we're adding on to technology because we want to stay focused. That's a big mistake that startups make is they get to, um, let's go off on tangent A or B or C. Stay focused, stay in your swim lane. And if you start to like maybe go off your swim a little bit, you know, bump back in. It's like bumper boying, right? Nope. You know, don't go right. Nope. Don't go left. Stay on your, your track and knock that out of the park. And then industries will start to evidence themselves because you stayed so focused to say, okay, we're not going to totally change the technology, but we might have a little bit of a modification, a 5% modification that would then in, uh, intersect with industry X, Y, or Z that you're not in now. So that's the way that we think about where wait time is going as we move forward. Nice. Zach, can you uh, talk a little bit about your relationship with Intel as well? Because I know that you guys have developed a relationship there. Uh, You've already mentioned some of the computer companies, obviously, that are uh, to a certain level engaged. I was at NRF. Uh, You guys were in the Samsung booth as well, Uh, you know, on some of the servers that that, that are being deployed there. They were Dell computers. But uh, so but I know you have a growing relationship with Intel as well. Correct. Yeah. Intel has been probably one of our biggest part, probably actually our biggest partner. So about five years ago, we linked up with Team Cisco at Intel. Um, all the people at Intel handle Team Cisco. They said, you know, from your, you know your servers to your, everything I walked through earlier, validate on the servers, validate with the cameras, be a what's you know let's get wait time as a part of the sales motion because the more wait time sells, the more servers we need, which is the more more Intel chips that you know Cisco UCS servers need, right? So the more wait time sells, the more Intel sells. So this is great symbiotic relationship as you know all tides you know rising tides raise all ships right so intel as time went on we validated and you know we optimized our software with intel products like vtune and one api to enhance the scale mechanisms of wait time software so you know vtune and one api are great intel optimizations that allow us to you know once we start to scale into you know three thousand locations a week we were able to do that. So basically along the way, Intel has helped to scaleify wait time solution. So now as time went on, we started to get into distribution. So we started to really prove ourselves, um, you know, in, you know, with the different um, industries we're in, with the different products that we've, you know, implemented out in the marketplace. So then, you know, um, Rob Rissen is how Blue Star and, and wait time happen is, you know, Rob at Intel said, hey, Zach, it's time for you guys to start to scale to get into distribution. And this is how our relationship has started is through Intel. And so, um, you know, that was really the next step for us is to get into mass scale. And and that's what, you know, Blue Star has been, you know, incredibly uh, a game changer on is really getting the word out to say, hey, you know, Blue Star of our community, this is, what's, this is what wait time is. This is such a a nice pull through as an easy solution cell um, and, and, and wait time has enabled all that to happen. So wait time for us is, you know, we are agnostic similar to the way that Intel is agnostic. We kind of follow the playbook of Intel because they sell to all the OEMs, right? 
Cisco, Lenovo, Cisco, et cetera. And for us, we uh, we took a kind of a page out of their 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 playbook and just say, okay, we're not going to pigeonhole ourselves into just Cisco or whatever. We have great relationships with all the OEMs, uh, but we are, you know, we're not exclusive with them. And that was really, you know, the, the leadership um, kind of mentoring coming from Intel. You know, say, hey, you know, you'll do much better if you validate on all OEM compute and any camera. So the agnostic part of wait time, a lot of that had to do with the Intel relationship. Right, right. And I bring that up because, you know, as a reseller, you're always looking for what I would call a vetted partner, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to mm -hmm. you don't want to invest in what could be a science fair project. <laughs> right. Wait time is not a science fair yeah, project. They've got, they've got, you know, the backing of Intel and, and things of that nature and a great relationship going there. We're excited about them as well. So they're what we would consider a vetted partner, right? Yeah. So if you're if you're thinking about getting in this space, this is the way this is the way you can do it, knowing that this is this is a quality yeah. vetted partner. Yeah, so, yeah. I agree. There you go. And, and again, I will just point out before we move on to our final segments that you know, if, if you want to understand more about this, definitely check out that webinar link in the show notes yep. to, to see. It'll help you uh, very much connect the dots um, of what's going on. No pun intended, which you'll get when you actually watch it. <laughs> actually watch it. Yeah, <laughs> and, the dots. And see how this yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So definitely check that out because it's a great kind of overview of like the technology in use and understand how it works. So, yeah. Yeah. All good. right. Hey, before we wrap things up with our value to the var segment, um, I want to of course. As always, thank our TechNet sponsors. Absolutely. Um, I will shout out Intel in particular for this episode yep, because they sure. did bring wait time to us and are sponsoring them on this episode. Absolutely. So thank you to all to everyone that supports our show. Uh, hey, as always, we need to hear from you. Yeah, um, if yeah. you like the show, for one thing, we want to know that. Right. I mean, I, you know, we get people from time to time who tell us, oh, I love your podcast. Yeah. And well, have you left a review? Uh, uh tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. So look, it's it's one of those simple little things you can take a few minutes to do. Yep. Whatever podcast you're on, if there's an opportunity to leave a rating and review, please do that. It helps shows grow. And I'm not just saying that for ours. Any podcast you listen to, it's a nice, mm -hmm. great thing it to is. do yep. to let folks know about how much you like a show. If you're watching on YouTube, obviously, subscribe to our channel. We're doing all kinds of fun stuff there. Yes. We're only going to keep growing our video content yes. over the next few years. So you're going to want to be uh, in on that. And it's good stuff. It is. It's, good it, stuff. it's, it's very good stuff. Um, and, of course, if you have things you want to talk about mm. or want us to talk about right. on the show. If Maybe you want to learn a little bit more. Yeah, if there's yeah. other technologies like yeah. this that right. you're interested in learning more yeah, about. We'll do the digging. We'll find out the information. Right. We'll get the subject matter. There you right. go. If yeah. there's industries you want to hear more about, if there's someone in particular you want to hear from, we need to know. You got to let, right. let us know. We no. can't just you know read your minds and figure out what you want to hear about. Do so. they still get a shirt, John? Even they in still this get 2023? a shirt. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so there's always a link in the show notes. You can uh, leave your submission there. Basically, all we ask is like, hey, give us your name, email, tell us what you want to hear about, and just for doing that, we'll send you a TechConnect podcast T-shirt. Boom. There you go. Just for sending us an idea, whether we use it or not. Just that but easy. Honestly, like we get good ideas, and I'm always happy to run with them and, and chase a rabbit hole. Or if it's something we've covered in the past. Maybe you just didn't see it. Mm -hmm. I'll be happy to send you. Hey, guess what? We covered that in this episode. Go check mm -hmm. it out. So. Yeah, right. There you go. So please do that. Uh, and of course, as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, connecting with us, you can always find us. Uh, you can e email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. You can also find us on Twitter at techconnectpod. All right, hey, let's wrap up things here. First of all, with our value to yes, var, yeah, kind of our way of giving a little, a little, you know, tied up with a bow yes. takeaway for our variety and right. something that they can maybe 
act upon immediately relating mm-hmm. to this topic. And to me, you know, racing out to find everything you can know about wait time and find a customer that you can go talk to about this is probably the value. But right. let's let's <laughs> let's uh, give a little actual question here. So, Zach, you know, what should VARs be asking their customers about? If they're going out to someone that they're already working with and they're trying to figure out, hey, is this a valuable, you know, a viable solution for my customer? Mm-hmm. What should they be asking about? And when should they get you and wait time involved? Yeah, so it's really about... Um, you know, you know, crowd management in general. So if you want to know occupancy of your environment, if you need to know uh, line or queue management, um, those are some big buzzwords that, you know, when we get um, contacted, it's all about occupancy, line and queue management, and, you know, um, you know, hotspot detections throughout your, throughout your environment. Um, you know, those are the, really the big buzzwords that, of course, nowadays, you know, post-pandemic, everyone is looking for that information on. So those are the, those are really the big buzzwords that, you know, we've crafted this product around for the, for the better half of a decade. And so, you know, please reach out to me um, or, or your, your blue star rep, um, you know, really at the, at the peak of those conversations of, okay, we have a, we have a mall that's interested in occupancy. We have a sports arena that's interested in queue management, or we have a, uh, a retailer who's interested in, you know, smart checkout queue metrics. Um, you know, get us involved in those conversations. We can start to present with you. We can, you know, kind of, um, you know, assist you along the way in the, in the first couple sales. And then over time, you know, the product is very easy to understand. You can become autonomous with it. But, you know, please reach out. We can start to educate you more in, uh, intimately on the solution. And, um, and then we can go from there. But, um, you know, reach out to me at any point in time and I'll get right back to you. Every single one of these that we've talked about today, our resellers are already in, whether they're front of house POS or back of house helping with logistics and things of that nature. Here's a wonderful opportunity and a great solution for you to walk in the door. And by the way, if you need to, you know, some of those qualifying questions, they've got an awesome blog. Uh, Raul, you were going to reference this one. I was going to shout that out too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the website is thewaittimes.com. That's how you get to it. But they've got a blog on there, 10 questions to align crowd technology solutions to your needs. I mean, it's just, it's a path. It, yeah. it's, it's got the questions you need to ask and get the qualifying, you know, information, even down to, you know, how do you strategize your proof of concept? You know, some really good questions to give you, the reseller, an idea of how much this might grab at either, whatever customer you're going right. into. Right. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, the only thing I'll add also is that I think a good consultative salesperson doesn't just know how to ask a good questions mm, and mm-hmm. dig up dirt and get details. But they also know how to observe. Right. Because sometimes you might see something that's going wrong in someone's mm. business that they just don't see because it's yep. just what yep. they do. And that's they, right. they think there's no nothing they can change. Yeah. So, you know, let's say you've got a, an event, you know, customer mm-hmm. or a sports venue customer. Yeah. Just show up sometime when an event is going on yeah. or when a sporting event's happening. And look around yeah. and just observe, like, hey, what's happening here? You know, what? where am I seeing bottlenecks? What's going on? Or maybe if it's a place you've been to before, what have I observed? What have I noticed when I've been here? It's a good and call. that's the kind of stuff you can take back to them and say, hey, you know what? I came by for a game the other day, mm-hmm. and I happened to notice that, like, there was dozens of people that were waiting in line to get beers up here. Yeah. 
but I went like, you know, one level down and found mm -hmm. a beer vendor that only, you know, that was getting people in and out within five minutes. Yeah. That's the kind of thing maybe that we could help you out. Oh, for with. sure. Yeah. So that, that, that kind of stuff is, is can help you I can really tell be well armed. Oh, absolutely. If the Javits Center was my customer in New York, I would have walked right back in the door and said, Hey dude, you need you need to learn about this wait time stuff here. Here yeah. are the things you should be doing. That's right, so. that's right. Good yeah. stuff. So yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting with You? Yeah. This is where we get to chat about something in the world of science, technology, and innovation, yep. business, something that has caught our eye, got our attention, something we just want to chat about a little bit. So, yep. Zach, I'll let you kick it off here. What's tech connecting with you right now? You know, I'm, that's a big question. I mean, I'm a, really, it's a, um, all the advancements in artificial intelligence. I mean, put aside wait time right now. I was at NRF. Uh, Dean, I wish I would have known you were there. I would have connected with you. But some of the advancements I've seen in the retail space from from all the stuff that people are, I'm not scared of technology, but a lot of people are. But a lot of the biometric stuff is really, really interesting to um, some of the, uh, the different things within warehousing, the robotics are becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, some of the stuff at NRF was just mind boggling. So I would say that, you know, that in, in the AI space in the robotic space of workplace automation, automation, that's where, I mean, awesome stuff. I mean, I spent a lot of time walking around Obviously, we're at the Samsung booth or the Lenovo booth with our stuff, but I spent a lot of time walking around to see, you know, what we're going to see in five years from now, right? And so it's not, you know, it's probably not going to be any time in the very near future. That's just how it's like a car cycle, right? Um, you know, the next five years is what's going to happen. So I'm excited to see what the future holds there. But that's what's really gotten me um, excited with what you know is on the the cusp of uh, um, intersecting with the market. Yeah. Yeah. They had an innovation lab area that was really mm -hmm. kind of cool. Right. This yeah. is kind of boiling down and getting into some really unique aspirate or aspects of of how people are. Maybe aspirations. Too. Aspiration. <laughs> oh, totally. Aspirations everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go into mine and I'll, I'll play on the AI theme. It's the open AI release of the chatbot. Right. right. Chat GPT. Have yeah. you played with this thing yet? I have a little bit. Yes. Oh, you have. I, I, it's because it's coming from my job. Well, <laughs> Yeah. I'm a writer. Come on. I understand. All right. So it's good that that you've played with it a little bit. It's so actually not. I, I don't think it's going to replace anybody. It's but not replacing I, anybody. It's one of those things I think that used well can be an excellent augmentation. Tool. Absolutely. Especially, I think, for companies that don't maybe don't have that kind of you know, right. capacity or, that, that's or, or, right. or that's people right. on staff. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, you know, there's this AI chatbot out there. It's called ChatGPT. You can ask it questions. It ha its memory bank is, I believe, the entire Library of Congress and mm, uh, like whatever, most of whatever's on the web and stuff like that. So you can ask it questions. And of course, you see tweets or and stuff like that. Or give it prompts, too. Or yeah. give it prompts. And you, you see some fascinating stuff, you know, people who try to break it, you know, right, like right. like they were doing with the, with the visual one. You know, they'll ask it silly questions and it comes back with you know maybe not the best answer right. or you know sometimes like you know there, there was this one where a, a guy tweeted that you know the he he put in uh, to the the chatbot a real question from a 200 level class at amherst right right uh, on you know can you write a four paragraph academic essay uh comparing and contrasting the theories of nationalism from benedict anderson to ernest gerhard and of course this thing comes back with a solid a in 10 seconds you know just writes this whole thing out so right wow. it can do that too and then uh when we were doing one of our executive summits rob risney who uh 
Zachary referred to over at Intel actually published some stuff and asked it some questions relevant to our industry, right? right? You're a warehouse to a similar size of Amazon distribution center. How should we install six technologies uh, we have access to? And so that was one of the questions we asked. And it came back with really good stuff like interactive touch displays in the warehouse space, hand code computers, et cetera. So to your point, you know, if people use this in the right way where, you know, what are, what are your business needs? Query it and see what it comes back with. It, it, it might surprise you on what yeah. it comes back yeah. with. Um, now, I don't think your job's in jeopardy. <laughs> the other angle on this was like universities, what yeah. I just cited, people right? People are starting to people panic doing, about that, yeah. That's okay because somebody has already launched something that can detect can detect if the chat GPT was right, used right. to write that essay. Well, when I worked in publishing, like in textbook publishing, there was already software out there yeah, at the time that right. could take a paper and just you just run it through and it would tell you if anything yeah. was plagiarized. Plagiarized. So, yeah. I mean, that tech has already been more or That's less right. out there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so, sure they have to take it a little bit next level to keep yeah. up with what this thing's doing. So Yeah, but I would, I, it's fun to play with, you know, again, just toy around with, uh, but chat GPT, pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. All right, what's tech connecting with you? Uh, all right, I'm going to go even a little further down. I'm going to, you know, from, from uh, AI, you know, we're going we're going to get almost a little bit more basic here. And okay. Take, a, take an, oh, uh, uh, oh, technology that's lasted a very long time, has been around for a very long time, and just not fire. A slight, not fire. Okay. And a slight innovation to it. Um, what do you think about washing your hands with toilet water? Whoa. <laughs> Okay, so the right, initial me, take there let, is uh-uh, ain't happening. That's what I thought too. Right. Let me clarify a little bit. All right. So a, a gentleman has produced a, <laughs> a a device called Sink Twice, okay, which is a very simplistic plastic device that actually sits over the tank of your toilet. I'm like it so far. The water that comes into the tank is clean. That's yes. that's that's, that's fresh right. new water that's, that's coming right. in for your next flush. Yes. So the idea is he created this little device that basically oh, it's this is very brilliant. simple, little saw like a little faucet. A little drain that goes back into the tank, uh-huh. and you can like a little place where you can set, you know, soap or whatever right, so, right. Up there. And essentially, when you flush your toilet, as the new water is coming in, that's going to fill the toilet and refill the tank. That water is just getting pushed up into the faucet and coming out as if you're just, you know, turned on a faucet. Oh, so while I'll you're say. flushing. You can just wash your hands right there on top of the toilet. Got it. And the water as you're washing it is draining right back down into the tank to be available for the next flush. Oh, there flush. you go. Okay. So it's the new yep. water that's like coming it. in. The I same like it. the same water that you're that's going to your sink yes. when you're washing of course. your hands. Of course. But instead of wasting the water that you've then used in the toilet and Brilliant. going to your sink and running more water, Brilliant. you're yeah. instead, you know, shortening that up a little bit. And the guy, the, the, this article came from Los Angeles Times. Uh, obviously, as always, these links are in our show notes. I highly recommend the article. It's funny, a fun read. But he noted that he cut his water bill in almost half by implementing <laughs> this thing. And he said it is a ridiculously simple device. He said it, it honestly looks like it might be cheap, but actually works extremely well. All right. He said no issues, no flaws with it. Even he even noted that when he was setting it up, and he was a little concerned about like, hey, I'm not a plumber, you know, mess with this kind of stuff. Right, right, right. So it was very easy to set up. But even yeah. the, even then, he, just to make sure, he called to find out, you know, like get some setup instructions from the company. And the literal founder and creator of the company answered the phone and walked him through how <laughs> to install it with ease. Nice. But he noted that you know that toilets are responsible for about thirty percent of household water usage. Uh, I believe so, that. Sure. So, so just that alone, right. being able to yeah. kind of yeah. get more out of that water for mm-hmm. every flush can be extremely beneficial. All right. Um, this product only it retails for eighty four dollars. You can find it on, oh, on gosh, Amazon. That's not bad at all. I'm half tempted to try it out. Right. Just, just yeah, for the just sake for the of, hell of it. Of yeah. Seeing, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but he also knew too. It was great for kids, like young kids who uh-huh. couldn't reach sinks very well. Uh-huh. Like most of them can easily reach the back of the toilet. All right. I guess see a little picture and of this thing. It too. tends to encourage more, you know, yeah, hand, hand washing, washing as well. Yes. So. 
Which is a which good we thing. all need to do. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, I was going to throw you a monkey wrench because some people wash their hands with warm water, right? Or right, right. a little hotter water. Well, you know, I'm not putting hot water that's, in my toilet. That's so a good point. I don't know if it's they only mentioned cold water. Yeah, I don't which know. Which is fine because you don't, you don't actually need the hot water right. to kill germs. Uh, but anyway, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there's a way they'll fix it in the future where there's a way to kind of warm it up a little bit or something. But that's that is a, your a, setup a good question point. was total clickbait, though. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was like the headline was how washing my hands with toilet water cut my water bill. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, I got to read this. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have to see the picture because it is it's it is very simplistic, but also, you know, smart and, yeah. and easy to use. Yeah, very so. nice. Cool, cool. All right, that's What's Tech Connecting with us. Zach Klima from Wait Time, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate having you on. Hey, until next time, um, you know, I don't know, write a paper or something and put me out of a job with an AI chatbot. I have a few other things I can do. I have, as my wife says, I have other other skills. You know, yes, there you go. Yeah. Uh, other other qualities. Yes. Uh, and, you know, hey, maybe think about washing your hands with some toilet water. Fair enough. And as always, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by EOA. All right, restaurant owners, they need technology solutions that are connected, configurable, yep. streamlined. Yes. Right? All, all these all are good, good great words. Yes. Yeah, yes, those, yes, yes. Yeah, great, great words. <laughs> yeah, those are those are words I've heard. Yes. <laughs> words. That's why ELO is the preferred hardware provider for businesses, industry-leading software companies, and hey, you. ELO's software agnostic solutions range from the front to back of the house, helping hospitality customers increase efficiency and improve guest satisfaction. With a modular hardware platform, modular. We're a big modular. Fan. We modular. love modular. Modularity, absolutely. Love modularity. Yes. Easily configured restaurant kiosk, digital menu boards, KDS stations, restaurant POS systems, tableside ordering, and line busting. That's a lot of stuff you can do. That's a lot. Creating a connected restaurant has never been easier from QSRs and fast casual to fine dining. Mobile POS systems, smart terminals, interactive digital digital menu boards, order pickup technology. Why would you equip a restaurant with anything else? Right, I mean, I, and it solves it all. Of that. Yeah, if I was starting a new restaurant, like I, give me all, give me all the stuff. <laughs> I want all. I need all that the tech. Stuff. Yeah, give me all, all that all tech. All that tech. Yeah. That's right. Check out Elo's full line of solutions at the link in the show notes. Technic podcast is brought to you by Zebra. All right, Dean, cast your mind back to late 2020, yes. Yes. early 2021. Okay, I'm there. Probably time we'd rather forget I'm about. Little, I mean, I'm shuddering a little bit. Go, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. But one of the biggest stories at that time was storage, transportation, dispersal of COVID-19 vaccines. For sure. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And a critical component of that successful rollout of those life-saving shipments was keeping those vaccines at ultra-cold temperatures yes. to ensure their viability. And that was a feat that was accomplished mostly by temperature-sensing technology. There, yes. As a yep. handy, useful yep. um, tech. Remember it, yeah. Not, track well, it not a brand way. new one, but one that suddenly got a lot of uh, attention and, and uh, a critical eye turned on it. That's that fair. Time. Yep. Well, Zebra has seen the potential for this innovation to be applied across the industry, so they wrote it up. They wrote literally the book on the subject. <laughs> uh, it's called A VAR's Guide to Capitalizing on the Need for Temperature Sensing Technology and provides insight into new opportunities for you to expand your solution stack from pharmaceutical companies, healthcare providers, and emergency responders. So, hey, go check out the link in the show notes to read the ebook for free. 